Welcome back to Joker Men and the Modern Modern Times of Bob Dylan. I'm Evan. I'm Ian. And we're joined by uh, Max from Cutworms. It's Max from Cutworms. Yeah. Do you have anything to uh, anything to plug or anything, Max? We usually do that kind of thing at the end of the episode, but we'll probably forget uh, unless we talk about it now. It's a good idea. Uh, not a whole. Well, I have a a record that came out in uh, October of last year. A double album. Mm-hmm. It was my second. Um, so if you don't know who I am, that's a that's a good one to pull up on the old streaming service. The audacious double album as second album move. Um, also, you did all of the artwork for that record, did you not? Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, my a lot of it. Girlfriend partner uh, shot the photography, most of it. That counts. Um, that counts as as being part of uh, your your own work. You didn't outsource <laughs> it. You modeled and you and you did the illustrations. <laughs> that that what they? Uh, I wonder if Bob Dylan is cited as the model. The model. Of- his, his cover photo. Oh, we, we should actually talk about the cover. That's a great point. Um, we have not talked about the cover of Modern Times from 2006 yet. Yes. Um, what, wait, what's your record called, by the way, for everyone listening? Oh, it's called uh, Nobody Lives Here Anymore. Check out that record. But right now, check out this record. Go go online or look, go to the record store. Look at Modern Times. And what do we think of this album cover that we have? <laughs> It's a very funny album cover. I like it. <laughs> I like it too. <laughs> I mean, I love the title too. It's like so great um, title. It's kind of perfect. Yes. Uh, the cover, no Bob. No, not a Bob to be seen. Not a Bob anywhere. It's just That's, a vibe cover. You know, this is right. just like a pure vibe. You've got this black and white photo of what looks to be an old car um, zooming past in the big city, um, like a cab. It's a taxi cab. It's know? a taxi cab. Yeah, it's an, and, and it's an actual old photograph. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ted Kroner's 1947 photograph, taxi New York at night, taxi comma New York at night. That's classic. That's just real classy, real classic. New York big city vibes, you know, and of course a, a skew like uh, sideways. It says Bob Dylan, modern times, as if almost to uh, be like the intro, like the title card of a of a film noir or something. Oh, yeah. the irony of the modern times title with the photograph of the city from uh, when Bob was six years old. Yeah. <laughs> well, modern t- modern is you know a loose word in a lot of ways. Yeah, I guess modernism you know was was certainly well well established by that point in time. Mid century modern. Yeah, there yeah. What this is exactly. not is um, it's it's not archaic music. I I don't twentieth th- century to be specific. Absolutely. Anything after the twentieth century mark that's modern to me. Um, modern. I guess times. in the grand scheme of. The human drama. I think that that's that's what he's referring to, not to get too like eggheaded about it, but I think that he's kind of saying 
with this title, like uh, sort of hinting that you should not think of all of that happened in the past with this like jaded, been there, done that right. attitude. Right. Yeah. It's not called postmodern times. No, it's not postmodern times. It's saying that this is still relevant to you. Right. Yeah. Great. Uh, also, uh, just on the cover note, great uh, back cover on uh, on this one. Um, let me see if I can pull it, pull it up for the gang right now. Yeah, here we go. Oh, this is a great. It looks like a Love and Theft kind of. It does look a little bit like Love and Theft, although he's got uh, he's got he's got the cowboy hat going right now. This was a very cowboy hat heavy period of uh, of time for Bob. Mm. He's very into very into the Western wear at this moment in time, which he's kind of graduated out of a little bit at this point. He's got that like kind of flat top hat these days, you know? Yeah. Now he just dresses like, I don't know what, like, like just what a rich eccentric would wear in like 1910. Yeah. He dresses like a pimp in Savannah, Georgia in uh, 1875. (laughs) Yeah. He dresses like the, the captain of a ship, uh, in, in, 1922. Um, yeah, something out of like a um, uh, Mark Twain novel. Yeah, yeah, uh, or uh, a guy who is at the the state fair on like a little like you know overturned soapbox, uh, trying to trying to sell you you know some sort of like you know hog based ointment to cure rickets. Sometimes he straight up dresses like Mark Twain, but with a hat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at pictures of Mr. of Mark Twain. Very well dressed man. And you know who else he dresses like a lot is um Walt Whitman. He kind of does a Walt Whitman thing sometimes. Bob does. Yeah, yeah. He'll be wearing just like a a shirt with that's kind of like open and like a big hat and trousers. It's very fashion forward, honestly. Very looks good today. When you pulled up that back cover, I saw a little note at the bottom that said that uh, this was his first number one album since Desire. Mm-hmm. Best since Didn't Blood know- on the Track. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yeah. Number one, first number one album in the U.S. since Desire. Also his first album to debut on the top of the Billboard uh, 200, selling uh, 191,000 copies in its first week at age 65, Bob became the oldest living person to have an album enter the Billboard charts at number one. Well, this would have been right before, uh, like physical CD sales just became meaningless. Right. Yeah. I mean, they were certainly on their way down at this point already, but yeah, they, they hadn't completely just hit the basement, uh, the way they would, I guess, five years after this. Right. Do you even like press your records on CD Max? I do have CDs of my of my record. That's yeah. cool. Very cool. What's the first song on this album? Uh, side two, side B. Side B. Uh, it's the great. Uh, really, maybe the best song on the record, uh, depending on what mood I'm in. Yeah, uh, Working Man's Blues. Wow. What mood are you in right now, gentlemen? I'm. <laughs> I'm in a mood uh, to, uh, you know, sort of wistfully remark. Oh, wait, wait. Blow the horn. Oh, yeah. Working Man's Blues, number two. Uh, 
it's just really like kind of we we talked about it this a little bit on the um on the what was the last Patreon episode we did times uh, yeah. they are changing um and uh North Country Blues on that one um and then um Ballad of Hollis Brown uh, as well yeah Hollis Brown Union Sundown obviously several decades later which was maybe a little less successful uh, approach to the same topic, but here he is 20 years after that with Working Man's Blues. <laughs> the same kind of topic, but like <laughs> addressed in a much more artful um, uh, manner. Well, it's called uh, Working then, Man's Blues number two because it's the sequel to Union Sundown. To Union Sundown, yeah. Um, <laughs> down, 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 <laughs> stupid fucking guitar. Um, um, yeah, it's it like honestly like such a left turn to me from um uh for Bob at this moment in time. Like his his like just really kind of sincere and genuine engagement with this like super legitimate um concern, especially 2006. Like, you know, obviously, you know, it, we're all, you know, uh, Brooklyn irony podcast leftists I don't or whatever know what you're now. talking about. Um but <laughs> but in 2006, that was very much not in the zeitgeist whatsoever. Um, you know, Obama hadn't even hit. Um, uh, and we all know, you know, we all know about him. Um, but um, it's, it's just, it's, it's so old that it feels new or something. And, and it's, it's like kind of a, a bolt of lightning out of thin air. And um, I don't know, it's just, it, it's a really beautiful kind of stately song, uh, just a very nice piano based melody all the way through. Um, he's, he's got a really great kind of vocal take on this one. It just, it really, it's really affecting to me. Anytime I listen to it, I always find myself singing along, closing my eyes, kind of just singing along, getting into it. There's so many lyrics in this song. Well, you know, you sing along to the chorus. Yeah. Bring me my boots and shoes. Oh yeah, right. Boots boots and and his shoes. shoes. Not just the boots, not just the shoes, you need the boots and the shoes. Clearly you're not a real working man, Ian, because real blue collar Fellas, we know that you got to wear, put on your shoes, then you put on the boots. Yeah, the boots go over the That's shoes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> is, that how, is that how it is in the kitchen for you? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't go a day without my boots and shoes. <laughs> Max, what, what do you think about this song? Um, I mean, to be honest, I... This was this was one that I I kind of slept on a little bit. Yeah. Like um, I've uh, I listened to it a little bit um, in my last go through the record. I don't mean to put you uh, on the spot because I I have to confess also like if there's one song in this record that I find kind of impenetrable, it's this one to me. It's a little hard for me to like. It's a big. It's a lot to digest this song. Yeah, I mean, it's like, a, like you said, there's, there's a ton of lyrics. It's like a, it's like a novella almost. Yeah, it starts out talking about the plight of the working man. Um, and then it just goes, then it becomes more than that. Ian, tell me more about like where this song goes. I feel like you're the expert of the three of us on Working Man's Blues number two. I didn't know that I was going to be the uh, the expert here. I thought this. I was thinking this was going to be a big smash hit for everyone. I don't. Know, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> There's always like one song on a, every Dylan record that, like, no matter how many times I listen to it, it it's, I can't. 
I like it sort of eludes me. Sometimes it takes, it takes a long time for me to like really get comfortable to see get like to it. the whole thing from like a bird's eye view. Right. This one, I'm still in that process. That's fair. I mean, it's, it's, I think maybe the only song on the record, don't quote me on that, but uh, at least the, the, as it jumps to my mind, where he's singing from the perspective of someone else. He isn't singing as Bob Dylan. He's singing from the perspective of some sort of character, this, this working man uh, who needs both his boots and his shoes. Um, and, um, and so just in that alone, I think it's, it's, it's interesting uh, to me, you know, um, I don't know how much everyone kind of dials in or, or like, even for me, I kind of go in and out of phases where like I'm listening to the music for the lyrics and then I'm listening to the music beyond the lyrics and just kind of like, you know, the words go in one ear out the other. Um, but this one I think is just a really kind of, um, you know, like I was talking about on the last episode, you know, he's, he's relating these really complex types of issues. Um, and something again, that was very kind of just not a, a major concern in the world at this moment in time, uh, through just super spare and like um, like humanistic language, like it, it's not it's not gussied up. He's not being fancy with the shit. Uh, you know, it's just it's just like super straightforward. Anyone who listens to this uh, can get it and get what you're saying, regardless of whether or not you've ever read uh, Capital or something. Um, it's it's uh, it's just a really touching kind of ballad, I think, and it's it's an interesting change of pace on a record where so much of it is really Bob singing as Bob about Bob's relationship about, about Bob things, just Bob things about yeah, just Bob Bob singing about Bob. Uh, this is this is kind of the one I think that that um, that moves past that formula. So it kind of just catches my eye on that note, and uh, you know. Uh, uh, as I've as I've made clear, I think it's uh, it's attention to uh, to the working man and and uh, their plight um, is uh, is really kind of fascinating. Well, and, to me. and back it's, it's to just, the uh, the idea of this record kind of impressing upon the listener that what you might have thought as old is actually still modern, still relevant to you. It's a, it's a nice thing that he includes a song about the evergreen, unfortunately state of affairs, uh, the plight of the, of the working man, working person who has to just put on their boots and shoes like everyone else, you know, in the morning. I'm just like every other guy. I put my shoes and then my boots <laughs> I'm on. I'm just like everyone else. I just put on my, uh, shoes and I lace them up and then I pull my boots on over those and I lace those up. <laughs> I mean, how many other people are putting the word proletariat in a song in 2006? And I, Just that alone. Yeah, not that many, probably. Pretty badass. Um, it's always, it's also like, you know, you could say it's a little bit prophetic. If this is 2006. Right, right before the crash. The power of the proletariat's going down. You know, it's right before the 2008 crash. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a great point, and and then actually that kind of dovetails with something I was going to talk about a little bit later when we get to the song. But you know, I can I'll, I'll mention it right now, just since we're kind of on the note. The same way that Love and Theft felt kind of prophetic to me about literally the day that it was released, nine eleven two thousand one, and songs like High Water, just like completely seeing the future about how fucked up shit was going to get. This this record also feels like really kind of uh, in tune with the natural environment or national environment, I should say, uh, of 2006. This song, absolutely kind of um, anticipating the financial crash of the following year uh, and uh, when the, uh, the levy's going to break, 
uh, and Katrina and everything happening there. Like it's, I, I, I see a lot of just kind of like psychic connections between all of that. Uh, I, I find it endlessly fascinating the way that Bob is able to kind of dial into the national psyche. Um, uh, certainly, you know, when he began recording and then maybe not so much in, you know, in the later seventies and eighties, uh, and early nineties, but certainly over the last 10, 15, 20 years, he's, he's got his fingers on, on, on the pulse, uh, even as, as, uh, as ancient and, uh, removed a presence as he might be. Yeah. I mean, nobody does it quite like him it, it, uh, when it comes to that. They don't make them like they used to. They don't make them. They just don't make them. Yeah. They were, they only made one. Yeah. <laughs> um, Good, Beyond the horizon. Good transition into a song that sounds like um, many other songs. <laughs> um, Beyond the horizon, uh, I don't mean that as an knock against it. It's obviously a, a wonderful treat to hear the Bob Dylan version of um, like Beyond the Sea, or um, I mean, it's it's just like Beyond the Sea. No, it's like pretty close. Very similar, apparently based on the melody of Red Sails in the Sunset by uh, the great Jimmy Kennedy and Hugh Williams from 1935. We're all familiar with Jimmy Kennedy and Hugh Williams. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah. I do know that song. I I can't say I know. Red Sails in the Sunset? Yeah, um, I know of it. Um, but this song, I don't know, Beyond the Horizon, this was another one that got, uh, many plays on my iPod mm. or like if it came up on shuffle, I wasn't going to skip it. Right. Um, which, um, I don't know. I feel like it falls into the same kind of categories, uh, spirit wise as, um, uh, like w- when the deal goes down to mm-hmm. me and kind of like that. I don't know. It's almost like, it's like he- this like heavenly kind of thing that he was doing. Uh, um, it was uh, just feels very like uh, heartfelt and sincere. You know, I, I feel like s- maybe some people could, would, would call it like saccharine almost but like to me i i'm a sucker for that stuff i just love it well it's also it's it's balanced out by the by the fact that it's bob dylan like the it that really is a natural um it it, it it's like starting from a place of you're you're expecting some kind of bitterness some kind of edge most of the time so when you don't get it it's just like a pleasant treat you know yeah, yeah you, you take a lyric like "Beyond the horizon, the sky is so blue." I've got more than a lifetime to live, loving you, and you have Bob sing that uh, versus you have like I don't know Rod Stewart sing that or Billy Joel sing that or something. Very different kind of effects and um, uh, moods and attitudes coming through. Well, it's just not going to be as in, uh, engaging to the imagination, I think, because Bob is such a mystery man. You know, it's it's so weird to even imagine his like love life. I was doing this the other day, just kind of like talking to my roommates about like what what do you think that's even 
what do you think that's like to just like, I don't want to go, go too far down that road, but <laughs> it's a, it, it helps his songs that are like lovey dovey because you just like, it's such a, a strange, mysterious idea. Him, Bob Dylan, like, especially at this point, like 65 year old man, just like talking about being in love. Yeah. I mean, I think I would, I would maybe go so far as to say that most artists, the less you can, you know, and, and can picture the literal reality of their love life, the better the right. song. Yeah. Be. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to peek behind the curtain too much. Yeah. No, like a lot of the modern, um, style of like pop, uh, like wearing your heart on your sleeve and, and like lyrics that directly depict your exact, uh, relationship, like the, just the muddy details of everything is not really attractive to me. I uh, have to agree wholeheartedly. (laughs) And I, um, I can think of one artist in particular who I think does that a lot, but I won't say her name. Uh, Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) The old ax to grind. Someone else who was mean to my friend, Bob Dylan. (laughs) I just had the image of just very briefly. I I had this aside off in my head and I can't, I can't go on without verbalizing it. Uh, So I apologize in advance. And Max, you might not even get this unless you've spent much time in Malibu. Uh, but I, I had the, the image of Bob sitting down to eat at Coogie's Beach Cafe, and I was trying to figure out if that had ever actually happened. You know that I, you've I'd mentioned love- this like five times on the podcast. Like this Have is like I? in like the first episode you mentioned Bob Dylan at Coogie's. Like you mentioned well, it. I guess it's, it's just a like a recurring <laughs> the recurring fantasy. A restaurant that's like long gone, like hasn't even been there for like <laughs> hasn't it's been, been there like, for a decade. Yeah, it's been like a long time. Um but it's a perfect example in some way of like, you know, yeah, honestly, I think he probably did go to Coogie's once. You think he did? Well, he has a, he lived in Malibu. Yeah. He lives yeah. There. Right. Exactly. That's, that's why I'm wondering. I mean, I don't, I'm not that familiar with Malibu. I've maybe been there through there one time, but. Do you think you ever went to Howdy's Evan? Yes. Next, next song <laughs> is, uh, is, is probably, I think, like my personal sleeper hit of this record, like one that I didn't really know so well going into um, exploring modern times and which I just, every time I hear it, I, I I really am kind of just bowled over at how, how good it can be. This song, Nettie Moore. Nettie Moore. It's so, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to put my finger on what is so good about this song. Yeah. It's just one that sucks me in. And I'm like, um, I, I'm, I really love to, to listen to it. There is something kind of magic, magical about this song, some je ne sais quoi or something that like, it's, I don't know, like it, it's, it's a weird kind of rhythm and melody. Yeah. It's the, you know, the it's, rhyme scheme. I wish I was like smarter. Um, what it, is the rhyme scheme here? You know, where he says, I'm traveling. I'm going to do if I could see you. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it's, yeah. It's a B uh, B or a, a 
BB, something like that, in some of the verses at least. Yeah, it's A-A-B-B. Yeah. But the like the music also, there's like, like it's hypnotic or something. Like it, you almost feel like you're in a trance yeah. when you're listening to it, you know? Um, it's, it really is like, it, it, it's, it, it, there's a big vibe on this one. I'll, I'll put it that so way. So then after that sort of hypnotic, um, peculiar rhyme scheme verse, you get that chorus, which is so like sweeping and, um, kind of opens out and so romantic. And um, the song just really takes its time. It's like seven minutes, just under seven. Um, And uh, really that's kind of everything you'd want from a later period Bob Dylan song. And, and it's not a particularly strong, like it's not too many heavy emotions. It's just like, uh, it just has this sense of like richness and depth to it that it feels like uniquely Bob. Right. Yeah. There's a lot to chew on with this one. I think it's like, you know, working man blues, for instance, we get it. We, you know, we know what's going on there. This one, I, I, I still am, you know, kind of working on, uh, and it, 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 it's got some kind of reminds me of Tweedledum Tweedledee, to be honest. Like it's, it sort of seems to take place in like, like sort of the real world, but also there's like kind of a weird kind of mystical, magical element to it as well. Uh, and it isn't clear like how far in, in either direction it's actually going. Right. Right. But it has that feeling of later period Dylan, especially where he seems to be pulling shit out of a hat in terms of just these images and these references. Um, but then it, it, it like makes the big gamble of like, well, can I tie all of this together with the, with a chorus and can, and he trusts the listener to do that, to, to have like the imaginative task of like, well, all of this can exist in this world. And then that's kind of the fun of listening to the song right. and to a song like this is like, you get to, um, fill in all those blanks uh, and um, make it into something that's like fun to imagine. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for it right now. Uh, uh, Patty Smith has included this on a list of her 16 favorite Bob love songs. Sure. Um, I don't really think of this as a love song. It is though. Reason. I mean the chorus, you know, I miss you Nettie Moore and my happiness is or, if you like when people say or as, as over, that you'll love this song. You'll love this um, song, absolutely. I've always loved it. Or. <laughs> you've, you've, you like or, Max? Or, yeah. I think it's a highly underused um, contraction. Effective. Uh, yeah. it, it's good. Word or contraction. Or. Lo- I don't know. Love, love song, though, to me, just like. I don't want to say it does it a disservice because love songs are fantastic. We all love love songs, obviously, but like it, it, there's a connotation to love song that makes it seem like simpler Mm. or something than it really is. And like this song, like this song is not just a simple love song. There's much more, I think beneath the surface uh, that's happening here besides him just missing Nettie Moore, you know? Well, he says, I loved you then. I love you now. uh, And ever shall. 
the world has gone black before my eyes. Is that right? I mean, yeah, yeah. He mentions that, you know, that's the, the chorus or the refrain or whatever, but like the verses that's happening in between, it's not, it's not a love song. Right. I, I guess that's what I mean when I say that it's sort of like the powerful love song, like love statement is kind of like the thing that ties all of this crazy imagery together. And it's a strong enough emotional, um, like a uh, hinge to tie all that things to, to all the, that other stuff too. And yeah. to your point about it being like Tweedly D and Tweedly Dumb, um, those characters are actually also like in a way strong enough to tie all this crazy imagery to, um, because they're so open-ended like Tweedly D and Tweedly Dumb. They represent just kind of like nonsense, insanity, like wild card energy, so this song has this kind of yearning, sadness, and uh, bleeding heart chorus, but in some way it, it does the same thing. It's like Tweedly Dumb, Tweedly Dee. Yeah, I feel, I feel like this one, um, I mean, songs like this in particular, um, but other ones like this on the record too, give me the kind of feeling of just like, someone of his age uh, or the age that he was at the time, like looking back over their life um, and like, I don't know, maybe this is morbid, but like songs like this and some of the other ones on the record, like kind of gave me the feeling of someone who like felt like they were going to die almost. Um, Right. We're thinking about that. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, like even, yeah, if you were to call it a, just a love song or whatever, it's, it's like a love song, but imbued with like, you know, a lifetime's worth of experience, you know, whatever that means. Well said. He's had that, he's totally had that vibe going since 1997. Yeah. <laughs> he's been on that grind. <laughs> he's been on, he's been on the death's door vibe since, uh, since the, what was it? The, the like heart infection from inhaling yeah. goose feces. That's right. I mean, I can only imagine like, I mean, I, I like to the extent that I think about death now, uh, like how much I'm actually going to be thinking about it when it be- starts becoming like a, an imminent reality. Yeah. Uh, right, something, you know, I, I was listening to Dylan's cover of September of my years the other day. And mm, I had this moment growing. of just like, really having it sink in and having that song sink in and feeling like, um, you know, one day you turn around and it's summer and next day you turn around and it's fall and the, they do be like that. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it really is. I can't, I couldn't have put it better Ian. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, I, Bob strikes me though, as something like speaking for myself, I'm, I'm very, uh, anxious about death and I've sort of got a, a hypochondria sort of thing, uh, uh, you know, that I do my best to uh, suppress uh, on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, it's not, not one of my strongest aspects, but Bob strikes me as someone who is like very much at peace with the, you know, just the concept of death and the like acknowledgement of himself as just one, one piece or one chain in a greater, you know, a greater length of humanity. You know, he's, he, he seems like someone who's not as focused on himself 
as much as he is focused on, you know, kind of the broader, the broader picture. And I guess maybe that comes with age uh, or, or something, but he, you know, like it doesn't seem like he's going to, doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy who, who fears death necessarily. That's one of the things about Bob Dylan that is um, why he's such a great artist, why he's uh, so important is because you can just be a regular person who fears death and listen to his music and and you kind of get the sense that there's another way of viewing things that maybe you don't have to have this panicked uh, neurotic view of of the situation that we're all in that uh, that's kind of what a lot of great art and music can do is kind of give you um, just like the the faintest hint that you can have a bit more of a sense of equanimity and dignity in the face of those harsh realities. Mm. Dignity never been photographed. That's what they say. The next song is, is a blues song. <laughs> <laughs> Levy's going to break. Love this one. Not confused with the Led Zeppelin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> If you keep on raining, the levee going to break. That's sort of what this is about. You know, and that there is, there is sort of a logic or a wisdom there. You know, the levee's only so big. If it keeps on raining, it's, it's going to break. You know, that's no two ways about it. Cause and effect. <laughs> exactly. It's a lot. Um, it's a logic. You know, there's a sort of um, logic. There's a logic to this song. If it keeps raining, the levee, <laughs> it will break. Yes. Uh, the levee breaking is a very kind of striking American image to me, I think. And maybe because of the connotation with Hurricane Katrina. Well, that was 2006. So that was this very year this was released, right? Right, exactly. When um, do we know the months? Like, do we know? The, <laughs> Jesus, the last one was 9 11. This one's Hurricane Katrina. Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he he's dialed into this shit somehow. Like he knows what's happening before it's even happening. Be careful what you say about 9/11 regarding that. Uh oh, I, I see. Bob Dylan so, knew. Yeah, someone called Bob and told him don't go into work that day. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, famously Bob the, Dylan works at the the top floor of the um the Trade Center. Yeah, Trade that's Center. where the Columbia Recording Studio was at that the moment. The Abernathy building. Yeah. Is that uh, right? No. Well, the no. <laughs> the thing that he always says on the um, on the radio show um, on theme time is uh, on the top floor of the Abernathy building. Yeah, I don't know where I'm that would be. That. Mm-hmm. This was 2006. This was August 29, 2006. Uh, Katrina was actually uh, August 2005. So this was a year after. Oh, okay, 2005. Uh, but yeah, it does seem like a 2006 event to me for some reason. Well, when um, we don't know when this was recorded. We do know when it was recorded, February 2006. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm the fact checker here. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think it was all it was all kind of happened at the same time. You know, it was all kind of in the mood. The Kanye West had just gone on TV standing next to Mike Myers and said that George Bush was a racist or whatever. You know, this was yeah. all. This was. This yeah, was in this was in the water at the moment in time. Um, yeah, it's, it, this is a real kind of root and toot and raving up. Uh, I, I really just kind of like vibing on it. It's Great in direct guitar. competition with Rollin' and Tumblin'. 
this is I prefer this to rolling and tumbling for my money. This is a more uh, you know this is a smoother smoother ride as far and as someday I'm baby. That's these are those are the three rootin' tootin' numbers. Yeah, the, the, the the closest thing to rock and daddy that we get on yeah. on this record. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, as as affecting and you know kind of um, uh, searing an image as the levy breaking is. Uh, he also pairs it with a lot of classic Bob, uh, you know, just kind of pulling him out of his ass kind of lines. Oh, yeah, uh, so I woke many. up this morning, butter and eggs in my bed. I woke up this morning, butter and eggs in my bed. I ain't got enough room to even raise my head. Yeah. Some people they ain't got enough skin to cover their bones. So. <laughs> Put on your cat clothes, mama. Put on your evening dress. Yeah. Put on your cat clothes, mama. Put on your evening dress. A few more years of hard work, then there'll be a thousand years of happiness. Cat clothes. I wonder what those are. Oh, it's just like unrelated, but something I wanted to bring up because I, we didn't mention it on the last episode is um, at the beginning of Spirit on the Water, you notice that there's like kind of, it's kind of like off key or like sounds like kind of fucked up at the very beginning. Oh yeah. I just, I just played that. Yeah. I Should, hear that. Like someone hits a wrong chord. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, something. it's kind of like adorable. Like a baby is, is allowed to like that's, hit a few notes. See, as good as he was at producing records by this time, uh, or excuse me, as good as Jack Frost was at producing records at this time, he's still pulling classic Bob shit like that, or like, you know, like the fucking coat buttons on the guitar for the New York sessions yeah. of uh, Blood on the Tracks and stuff. I just it's, wanted to point that out. It just doesn't give a shit. Apropos of kind of nothing, but I, I just like the way that that is, and uh, we didn't mention it. It um, gives it a nice kind of uh, handmade, hand-wrought yeah. uh, quality. Uh, on the note of things that we forgot to mention also, uh, just real quickly, um, uh, Nettie Moore, uh, I'm the only son of a crazy man. Mm-hmm. I'm in a cowboy band. I'm in band. a cowboy band. That's probably my favorite line. All time, literally all-timer line. I fucking like, lose it every time I hear that. I'm just sitting here vibing to um, Levy's Gonna Break, which is is a good <laughs> sign, you know? If only our audience could hear it. <laughs> I never do that just played at a low volume. Well, this was. I guess you'd get. You'd get. Uh, he'd come after you for the copyright. Yeah. yeah well, we've, we've been putting uh, the episodes on YouTube and they always get shot down because there's always 30 seconds of some sort of copyright song in there. So they never actually go up. Yeah. But it's worth it. Oh, legal team is is on top of that shit. You can't they even are. take a Bob Dylan song from his YouTube channel and like put it into like convert from YouTube. It'll just say error. Oh, the irony. Bob can Bob can steal all he likes, but we can't steal from Bob. That's right. Well, because he wrote the song. Do you understand that? Of course, that's right. Yes. <laughs> he writes all of these songs. <laughs> He's written songs from 150 years ago. <laughs> They're his. Uh, yeah, he. Yeah, Bob wrote all of Ovid's poetry two thousand years ago. That's right. Um, well, I, it seems we're having some trouble discussing the content of the levy's going to break. Well, I don't think there is much to discuss. I think it's just a striking image, and then just kind of a nice groove on top of it. And what more do you need in in a song, really? Exactly. And the answer to that question is. Uh, you can have a lot more like in the next and final track ain't talking 
not to disparage the levy's going to break, but this is um, the deep end of the pool. You know, the levy's going to break is splashing around under that little mushroom at the water park. And this, this song is almost drowning in a, in a, in a, in a small lake. This is about as heavy as you're going to get on this record or any record for, for that matter. Ain't talking. Well, I guess that's the episode folks. (laughs) (laughs) This one is another one. I, I, I've, uh, I gotta say that I, I'm not that familiar with actually. Um, well, that's actually a, a treat for you, uh, Max, because this is one that uh, you're going to enjoy getting familiar with. Um, it's a it's a good one to just to slot in, like when you're feeling kind of down. It um it'll be right there with you. That's that's kind of the vibe. The, I mean, this to me, this kind of s- seems more. You know, we talked a little bit on the last episode, I think, of some of these songs anticipating the direction he would go with the cover records. This, to me, kind of anticipates the direction he ends up going on Tempest and uh, Rough and Rowdy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's got that kind of Black Rider feel. Black Rider, yeah. They're, they're just these extraordinarily long songs. Uh, you know, this is almost nine minutes um, uh, that are this just like... Just, just this sequence of of again simply simply related images. You know, it's all easy to understand what's going on, but they build and build and kind of stack on top of one another, and um, and and just end up getting to this you know kind of overwhelming sensation by the end of it. You know, I'm thinking Key West or Rubicon or uh, Tin Angel or um, uh, even Tempest, the song. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's. Um, it's uh, it's like a it, it shivers down your spine kind of thing. The, the other um, thing about this song that's kind of special is it feels like one of these few examples of Dylan making a song that kind of seems to. It's hard not to think of it in terms of like referencing his actual like outward affect in in the public world for like so many years. A song where he's talking about how he's like viewing, he views the world as just like a kind of um, misguided, hopeless place. And that he is simply walking through it. He's not engaging with it verbally. Yeah. He's not talking. He's He's not talking. He's just walking. Um, But his heart is burning. He is still still yearning. yearning. I mean, yeah, there's so much in that. That's kind of still, that just seems to reference like his place where he's at right now. And yeah, that's a good point where he's, uh, he's not going to like be your friend, no new friends, but <laughs> he's, uh, he's still yearning. He's still burning, even though he recognizes that everything sucks. And someday you'll be glad to have me around. It's really <laughs> like you come to me. Like, it's like I studied the blade, you know, for years I've been studying the blade <laughs> Like we discussed on on a previous episode. Yeah, here we go. And now that the barbarians are at the gates, you come to me for help? 
this is Bob as a samurai. You, you can imagine him uh, not talking, just walking with his samurai sword yeah, kind yeah. of strapped to his waist. Exactly. He's got a kind Eating of... hog-eyed grease in a hog-eyed town. Like you do when you're a samurai. <laughs> you know, for, for some reason I thought uh, the song Things Have Changed was on this record. Well, is it? No, it's not, but this song is so much in common with that song. That's from 2000. Yeah. Uh, was a, yeah, it was just kind of a one-off song. It was a, for a movie, right? Yeah, Wonder Boys from 2000, a movie nobody yeah. remembers, but was like Oscar but bait. It it may well be on like, I, I you know what I bet it is, is like it's like the iTunes deluxe edition of this album that you pay $13.99 for and you get a bunch of bonus tracks tacked on to the end that aren't actually part of the album. And I bet Things Have Changed shows up on, on that. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. It feels to me like it could have been on this record for some reason. I thought it was, but yeah, like this, um, I don't know. It kind of has that same, that same, uh, spirit spirit. Yeah. Also like, I don't know that song. I mean, obviously there's like, uh, him being known for the times they are changing. And then, that then saying things have changed. Like, wow, I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> wow. Come on, man. I used to care, but things have... I genuinely did. That, like, went over my head. I'm, like, being, like, a Dylanologist over here. Like, I'm being Mr. Jones. We're going to have to edit that out of the episode so that people uh, don't get pissed that we've been doing... what uh, We've done hundreds of hours of Bob Dylan podcasting and Evan just made the connection between the times they are changing and things have changed. I, I genuinely like, it just never occurred to me. <laughs> and you know what? You I'm willing to put Cat. money that it, it didn't occur to Bob. Well, who knows? Cause yeah. he's still just walking and he's not talking. I ain't talking. He's not talking to anybody. There's a video for that song where he's just eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> a distinctly you know uh, set uh a distinctly american set of images bob dylan eating a cheeseburger it's you know See, what I, i'm ashamed to know, i don't even know if he's eating a, is he i haven't seen this so like this is something else i have to you're showing me up i have to watch <laughs> that i have to think about bob saying things have changed well i had to do something because i i'm not that familiar with this last song. Yeah, so. to shoot me down with the with the fact that I don't know. I want to watch this cheeseburger thing. It's it's good. I mean, it's weird to see Bob Dylan eat. That's very rare. Eating anything. One last thing about this song is that uh, it doesn't end on a minor note. It doesn't end depressingly. It actually goes out of its way to end on a, uh, uh, with a major chord. Did you notice that? Um, I love I, when that this that. song is, this song is like desperately sad. It's, it's so depressing and stoic. And then it goes out of its way to just be like, it's it's not all that serious. Like we're gonna keep moving on. It's ultimately a song that is life affirming. Interesting. I think I think it's it's about 
the focus is that he's he's still still burning, still yearning. Right. So it's it's a it's a ultimately positive uh, kind of message. Well, it's like it's that perfect blend of sweet and sour, of like bitter and sweet, of of cathartic like reckoning with how discouraging things are, and then mm-hmm. saying, you know, you just got to keep on going. So a nice, uh, you know, nice dish of general sows, that perfect blend of sweet and sour. Yeah. Or hog grease in a hog town, whatever he was <laughs> eating. <laughs> well, well, I think it's about that time. On that note, I'm going to eat some Chinese food. Not yet. I- you're not because we have to do one thing left. There's one more thing that we do on this program. That's, that's, we rate the album on a scale of one to three. Stars. The very scientific, uh, very precise rating scale of one, two, or three. Stars. It's just that simple. Yeah. You, you can pick one, two, or three. That's it. I, I give this a three. Wonderful. Evan? I give it a three. I think this is one of the wow. great... Uh, it's just as good as Love and Theft, which I gave a three, if not like a little bit better in some ways. It's uh, an embarrassment of Bob Dylan riches. This is what what more could you ask for? I'm with you. This is uh, this is another three star stunner. We've we've got a back to back to back three star uh, uh, release run from Bob, and I think back to back to back three stars from three people. Time out of mm-hmm. mind. We all gave three stars with Rado. Time and uh, love and theft. Uh, we all gave three stars with Tim. Modern times. All three stars right now. That's. He's, he's really on a hot streak at this moment in time. Well, thank you for being here, awesome. Max. And uh, everybody uh, listening, I highly recommend listening to Max's music as Cut Worms. Uh, and also hopefully seeing Max play a show sometime soon, God willing, if things go go the way they're going. Uh, in this, yeah, Are you booking anything yet? Um, I did... Uh, I have just um, booked a festival for sometime in August. It's kind of just one-off thing in the Midwest. Um, but that's about it right now. I've, I've kind of just been like, uh, this is just dipping my toes back into the water, so to speak. Easing back into it. Yeah, there've been like the, I feel like the last week or so there've been like a zillion tour and, and album announcements and stuff. And I, I mean, I guess yeah. the records are all going to come out cuz those can come out, but like the tours, I feel like like half of them are not even going to end up actually happening. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of wishful thinking, I think, it's aspirational. Going on, which is, you know, you can't fault anyone for that. Yeah, sure, yeah. Man. Jokerman has had to cancel our um, upcoming tour of India, unfortunately. <laughs> well, nobody lives here anymore. Is the album by Cutworms, which um, you don't have to um, count on the pandemic uh, improving on to go ahead and purchase immediately. And uh, thank you very much, Max, and thank you, listeners. 
Tune in next time. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. Fantastic. Uh, also, uh, subscribe to the Patreon. We have yeah, a Patreon yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We, that we do a terrible job of plugging, uh, but it does exist. Uh, go subscribe. There's uh, over a dozen episodes now. We've we've been stacking things up there little by little. All the bootleg series, all the original old records. We've even got the Supper Club on there. Go, uh, go give it a subscription. Also, review us on, uh, I guess they call it Apple Podcasts now, not iTunes, but you probably think of it as iTunes. Do that. Uh, help uh, help Jokerman continue to joke around. We've got lots of fun stuff coming up for you. Do you know what album comes out tomorrow? Oh boy, do I ever know what album comes out? To- do you know what album comes out tomorrow, Max? No. Latest record project, <laughs> Volume One by Van Morrison. <laughs> uh, Jokerman. We're just gonna end the episode now. Ain't talking. As I walked out tonight in the mystic garden The wounded flowers were dangling from the vine I was passing by a young cool crystal fountain Someone hit me from behind Ain't talking, just walking Through this willing Burning